All right, so let's get this rolling. So my guest today is Miles Wisniewski. Mm-hmm. Miles, he's he's originally from the Netherlands. He lives in Minnesota. He works at the University of Minnesota, Minnesota, and he is a cognitive neuroscientist that works with TMS therapy. And we're going to talk about that today. He's going to explain what that is. It's transcranial magnetic stimulation. And this is a therapy that's had a lot of success in treating depression. So Miles, man, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. So Miles, tell us a little bit about you. How did you find your way to America? And how did you get interested in this world of of becoming a neuroscientist and, co- and, and explain what that is, a cognitive neuroscientist? Yeah, so uh, how I got interested in that. So yeah, um, I started out, you know, not knowing what I wanted to uh, study after high school. So I, you know, uh, went to some different kinds of studies. And I thought, you know, psychology, that that sounds very interesting, because, you know, there's so many humans out, out in the world, and uh, everybody's different. And I want to know why. Um, and then, you know, I, I started to study psychology, and I started, found it really interesting. But what I found even more interesting was um, the brain, you know, how, how the biology, how basically that organ in your head kind of determines what you do and who you are. And that's when I kind of, in my master, went to cognitive neuroscience, which is basically just the, the neuroscience or the study of the brain uh, for cognition, which is kind of your higher thoughts, the, the thoughts that are specific to humans, like working memory and uh, language and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was just fascinated into how all of that works and how the brain like guides all those processes. And through that time, I also uh, started working with non-invasive brain stimulation, which is a, like a bigger category under which also transcranial magnetic stimulation falls. Um, and I tip, I'm, I mean, initially I approached it only from a research perspective. So, um, because it is not just a therapeutic tool, it's also used in research, although, you know, it's, it's different, but it's the same machine, but just as the settings are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very valuable because it does change brain activity a little bit. Um, and I think we will talk about how it does that in a, in a minute, but, um, so by changing the brain activity, that's also a great way to study the brain, right? Because if you change something, then that what you changed will have an effect on your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really gra- gravitated towards um, those, those uh, stimulation techniques. So there's transcranial magnetic stimulation, but there are also some other non-invasive brain stimulation techniques, which we might also talk about later on. So, and yeah, and then finally I, I ended up here in Minnesota because uh, I found a good place where they do all kinds of awesome research and uh, now I'm here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. So, so your specialty is um, magnetic stimulation. Is that it? Or what do you, how do you refer that? Is it TMS or is it a different thing called magnetic stimulation? No, yeah. So the thing is, there are so many abbreviations out there um, and so many types of stimulation that it's a little bit hard so i guess the overarching theme is non-invasive brain stimulation so that basically just means just it's non-invasive so it doesn't um it it, there's no operation required it's it's you know you can do it basically you can get somebody in you can do it and it won't uh harm them i mean there might be side effects but it won't like penetrate through the skull or something like that and this is specifically designed for people that are struggling with 
depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD? Well, well, I would say it's actually started out as a research tool to study the brain. And then eventually it became, you know, what happens if we do this repetitively? If we change the brain once, okay, that may be cool for research. But if we do it repetitively, uh, will it, you know, change something for a longer time, which is, of course, really nice for uh, mental health disorders, but also neurological disorders. Yeah. And um, so under this uh, non-invasive brain simulation, there are now, I would say, a handful of techniques that are really interesting going into this therapeutic alley. And that's uh, TMS is the most famous one because that's the one that's progressed the first because it's FDA approved. Um, but there are also a few others with electrical brain stimulation, uh, transcranial alternating current stimulation, for example, um, which is still a little bit less known, but that I, I my prediction would be that that would, will be coming up uh, very soon as well and we'll get FDA approval soon as well. But yeah, so the TMS is a magnetic uh, stimulation indeed. And, and if you can explain that to the viewers, what exactly is it? I mean, it, it's a non-invasive approach, but how does it work? Do they, do they connect things to your, to your head? And do, do people feel it? Do you feel anything going on with you? Explain what that is. Yeah, so um, it, for that, it's good to know that the, the, the brain, the, the cells in the brain, they communicate via small electrical signals. That's just how the brain operates. There are bioelectrical uh, signals going on. Um, so what the TMS does is it affects those bioelectrical signals. Now, well, how does that work? Um, you put a magnetic coil, it's like a like an H-shaped coil where there's just some electrical wires and they create a magnetic field and you put this on the head. So the magnetic field will go through the skull because the magnetic field goes basically through everything. You, you need uh, really fancy shielding to block a magnetic field. Magnetic field goes through everything, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so the magnetic field goes through the skull into the, to the brain. That's why it's called transcranial. And then... Um, the magnetic field will interact with the uh, electrical signals in the brain and basically just induce an electrical um, action potential, so to speak, in, in, in the brain. So people do typically feel that. So when you get the TMS, what you feel is kind of like a tapping on the head. Um, mm -hmm. if, if it's at a higher intensity and it's faster, it's often referred to as a woodpecker, basically. So it's like some, some tapping on the head. And it really depends on the intensity. For some people it's really just a minor inconvenience. And for some people, it's kind of annoying, some, somewhat even painful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it will depend a little bit on where it's on, on the brain. So for example, if you put it over this area here, which is the motor cortex, um, that, 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 that part of the brain is important to control your movements. So when you put it up there, you can actually induce a movement in a hand or a foot. Um, however, typically for, for depression or uh, other kinds of mental disorders more put frontally to the brain. And um, that is unfortunately also a little bit of an annoying spot because it's, there are a lot of um, pain receptors there. So it can sometimes be a little bit painful, but um, typically people can deal with it. Mm -hmm. Now, have you experienced it yourself? Yes, I, I uh, for all my research, I always do it on myself because I need to know what people uh, experience. So here's my thing. Here's my question. So, so when when you approach it therapeutically, there there do we know what's going on in a person's brain, and do we know what needs to be shifted 
or altered through this process to create a better outcome for them? Yeah, so I would say that, of course, research isn't fully, um, we don't understand everything, but we do understand some things. Uh, and we know that, um, for example, in depression research, um, a lot of uh, patients, not all of them, but a lot of them, they show kind of an imbalance in activity in the frontal cortex. So the frontal cortex is like the frontal part of the brain. And we see there an imbalance where the, the um, left side of the brain shows lower activity than the right side of the brain. And it is this imbalance um, that is also related because the prefrontal cortex is also connected to lower brain areas, the, the limbic system, which is important for emotion regulation. Uh -huh. um, and this imbalance will cause also some suboptimal function in emotional regulation. So what we do know is that at least in a subset of patients, we know that this imbalance is caused trouble with emotional regulation, which then can cause um, either anxiety or uh, depression um, or other kinds of symptoms related to that. Mm -hmm. So what we do then with the TMS is we try to increase the activity on this left uh, prefrontal cortex so that this balance is kind of like pushed back to the middle and that then hopefully would um, reduce those symptoms. Does the TMS, once it's... <coughs> Once you, uh, I guess, um, um, zap that particular area of the brain, does it sustain itself? Or do you got to continue to go back and redo it and redo it to, to, to sustain that activity? Yeah, so if you do it just once, um, then there can be after effect for up to an hour or so. And of course, an hour is great for research, but it's not really great for a therapeutic way, right? You, you want after effects to remain for a long while if they're positive after effects. So what people do with TMS therapy is that they get it for basically six weeks, can also be eight weeks, can also be four weeks, but typically it's around six weeks where they get it every day or at least five days a week. Um, and then kind of the process builds up. And because the brain is experiencing this type of stimulation for over six weeks, um, the brain adapts to that. And that's something which we call neuroplasticity. So the, the, the brain cells that become stronger in that particular area that is stimulated, mm -hmm. which actually isn't that much different from when you would, for example, learn something new. If you learn to juggle for the first time, mm -hmm. then in, in the motor cortex, uh, so a different part of your brain, there will be cells. If you do it, just juggle once, then you're not gonna learn anything. But if you do it for six weeks, pathways in the brain will restructure themselves so that you now can do this. Uh, and the same is true for the prefrontal cortex, except that we, in this case, help from the outside with the TMS. Okay. Um, interesting. That is, that is so interesting. So I would, I, it seems to me that um, with people that are, are struggling with like for, um, with depression, for example, and then you go in and, and you, and you um, implement TMS in a particular region of their brain to, to create more activity. And you do this for a period of time. And then you say it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue or it's going gonna, it's gonna to sustain itself for a period of time because of neuroplasticity. But won't uh, over time, couldn't it go back to the way it was? Because that's, I, I don't know what, what the cause of any of this is. I don't know if anybody does, but if a person does has less activity in a portion of their brain, I'm guessing 
that that may be just a part of their makeup, right? Their genetic makeup, and will it go back without a continuous need for that stimulation? Yeah, and that that is definitely the the case for a lot of people. That you know, sometimes it lasts for a half year, sometimes for a year, but in other people, it lasts like for for a very long time. So there's a lot of variability there. And as you say, it has probably to do with the genetic makeup, but I guess also with um, circumstances, um, you know, TMS, you know, it's, it's kind of one part of the puzzle piece, right? Um, there are other factors that will uh, determine whether something like a depression comes back or not, you know, lifestyle choices. Um, you know, we know that, for example, physical exercise is something that, that is probably good in, in the prevention of depression. Um, meditation can be good you know um so i would definitely suggest that if you had a therapy then after that look into other things that you can do in in just your daily life that will kind of uh, help to maintain the changes that have been made so it's it's a part of the puzzle um but it's not everything and but yeah it's definitely possible to get maintenance treatments after a year or so after two years yes mm-hmm. okay and who, tell us a little bit about your experience working with patients and some of the results that you've seen? Yeah, so I work with a variety of patients. Um, I mean, as I said, I'm mostly a researcher, so I I also work with a lot of healthy volunteers. Um, But uh, I have worked a little bit with depression patients, not as as much. um, And I will be starting a study soon on obsessive compulsive disorder. But I also work with, uh, for example, neurological disorders uh, with stroke. what I see is that um, a lot of, um, how do I say that? Um, in a lot of cases, it is really, um, what, what really strongly determines the outcome of TMS is also the mindset that people bring with them. You know, a lot of people um, come in um, with the idea that, uh, you know, they've done their research, they know what's going on. Um, Whereas others are very hesitant. And if you're hesitant, you don't really trust what's going on, then you're kind of not um, allowing um, the positive change to happen. So I would say, um, based on my research, like the positive effects happen in like 60 to 70% of people, um, which doesn't sound amazing, but what should be considered is also that TMS is typically on people who are are, um, otherwise treatment resistant. So people who have had tried two, three, four, five types of medication that didn't work. So if we, in those people, still got a 60% response rate, that's still very good, I would say. Uh, Obviously, there is a need to improve that. But um, yeah, yeah, so I think things like mindset and also just, as I said, things that you do around the TMS, you know, if you just come in stressed because you... Uh, you you have your appointment just half an hour after work, and then you know you go home stressed into an environment that is also very stressful. For example, then the chances decrease significantly that it will work. Oh wow! Okay, so really intention is uh, important. Yes. Into this type of therapy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it it will of course you know it's hard to uh, you know people have their lives right. You cannot stop your life for six weeks. But if you have the possibility to take some time off um, rather than do it after work, um, that might for some people be very beneficial um, yeah. just to, to also have everything around the TMS 
um, it's what, what I'm trying to say is it's not like a medication that you take and it will always do the same thing. Sure. It is everything around it that, you know, your, um, for example, there is a study that I've been part of that shows very strong differences, whether you are, for example, a morning person or an evening person. If you are a morning person, then TMS will be way more effective in the morning than it is in the evening, because that's when your brain is active. And then you can actually like train the brain with the TMS. Um, whereas if you're an evening person, then a morning session is not very beneficial. Oh. And it's those kind of considerations that you, that would be very, it's of course difficult, right? If you have to work then, and you can't go around it, then you, there is maybe no other way, but if you can, then those things you should consider. Yeah. How do you guys figure out what areas of the brain are inactive and yeah. which areas to target? Yeah. So, I mean, TMS is around for quite a while. Uh, so we know that the prefrontal part of the brain is, is quite important just because there's so many studies about that. Um, but of course, there could be individual differences. Um, now, the benefit that I'm having in a research setting that a lot of um, therapists don't have is that I can do an MRI scan. So I can do an MRI scan uh, so that I can get an individual picture of the brain. And I can also do a functional MRI scan, which is a, like a, a MRI scan where you actually test the brain activity during a certain task that could be a cognitive task or an emotional task. Mm -hmm. And then I can actually see which brain areas light up and which don't. And particularly those that don't light up that we would expect to light up, those would be the regions that we would want to stimulate. Mm -hmm. But of course, MRIs are very expensive. So if you just go uh, to a TMS clinic, they might not be able to offer that because it's just so expensive. Yeah. Does this, does this, um, does, is TMS being explored to um, work with people that are experiencing um, dementia or Alzheimer's and areas where you see cognitive decline going on and deterioration? Are they, are they using it for that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since TMS is around, it has been used for a, a lot of things, some more successful than others. Um, there's definitely a rich amount of studies on, on um, both Alzheimer's uh, as well as Parkinson's, for example. Those are basically the two big ones. Though I would say that right now, there is not anything, I mean, there are some positive studies, obviously, but there are also some negative ones. So currently I am not comfortable to say that it really works for those two. Like there, there might be some good, good studies and maybe we like, if we build that kind of evidence up, then we get, we get there somewhere in five, 10 years. But right now I would be hesitant to say that we found the right way to use TMS for those disorders. Okay. So it seems to be more of a focus with, with mental health issues. Uh, yes, although the exception is the one that I'm working on is with um, rehabilitation of stroke uh, symptoms, particularly motoric stroke symptoms, where people have difficulty moving after a stroke, for example, they cannot extend their fingers anymore to precision movements. Um, there has been a lot of research uh, on that since at least 20 years, and it's also I'm happy to be a part of that type of research. To my big surprise, that has not been FDA approved yet. and um, the only reason I can think of is that neurologists are worse at uh, selling their their method than uh, psychiatrists are. Um, but it's definitely like I've, in, in my personal experience, seen some uh, very positive results. But I also know from literature that um, 
if you combine TMS, for example, with motoric training, then people recover better than if they would only have the motoric training. Okay. All right. So you, <clears throat> so you said that um, you said you're getting about a 60 to 70% um, improvement in people. Mm -hmm. which I think is really high. And are you referring to people dealing with depression, anxiety? Yes. Uh, I I probably depression uh, for anxiety, the numbers are a little bit lower. That's okay. because we just understand a little bit less how anxiety uh, works and therefore also not how the TMS would affect that. Um, okay. So it's, it's not just how well do we think the TMS works. It's also just how well do we understand the underlying disorder? Yeah. Um, so basically, how much do we know about the neuroscience? That's kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. So now there's this this um, article that I read about Saint mm -hmm. that you're familiar with. Right. And they indicated that um, with a more targeted approach um, that they've seen 85% um, change or, or uh, results in, in the research that they did right. um, with people, which is huge. I mean, that's like a game changer in mental health. I mean, if you could take people that have, <clears throat> you know, um, have been struggling with um, depression uh, for years and living on medications and all of a sudden they go in and do it, go through this process and they feel recovered, that's, that's huge. So what is the difference in what you're doing with TMS and what these researchers in Europe um, that are utilizing the SAINT approach are doing? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I, uh, I have to say you, you say it's from Europe. Actually, the S stands for Stanford. So it's or, or, it originally oh. comes from Stanford uh, University. Oh, okay. um, but That's of course, cool. now, now that it is, um, you know, it's getting explored also by people in Europe and, uh, and, and worldwide. Okay. Um, so um, the same protocol is interesting because uh, for one thing, what they do is the thing I mentioned already like five minutes ago is they actually do an fMRI scan before uh, they actually do the TMS treatment. So they, they look at every specific individual to their specific individual brain and find where the brain activity is high and where it's low. So um, that, of course, improves a lot more the precision because usually you would, if, if you don't have that, you have to just go on the same spot for everyone. But what, what you can do with the same protocol, if you do it like it's uh, written in the original articles, then you get this fMRI scan and you know exactly where you have to be for a specific participant. And, you know, shifting the, the TMS coil with just one centimeter can make a big difference. So, um, you know, that, 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 that's the first thing. Okay. And the second thing is it's, a, um, it's an inpatient approach where people come into the hospital um, and actually have to stay there for, for a week. Um, rather than six weeks. So the six-week treatment is not is outpatient, right? You just come in every day and then you go home. But the, the same protocol is an inpatient treatment where they come in for a week and then they don't, they don't get one session a day, but they actually get up to 10 sessions a day, basically every hour. So for eight hours straight or 10 hours straight, you get every hour, one session or every 50 minutes or so. Um, and each individual session is only three minutes, but still like three minutes and then 50 minutes later again, three minutes. So it's, it's, it's a tough approach and it might not be feasible for a lot of people, but yeah. for those who are maybe people who are um, retired, um, you know, uh, or have otherwise a lot of flexibility in their work and they can actually do this um, and they can pay for it because as I said, the MRIs will be, 
more expensive and not uh, all insurances will cover that. Um, then for those, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's definitely, um, the research shows that it is more beneficial, but it is from a, from, from a practitioner side, very hard to, not, not every practice can do that because either they don't have the MRI scan or they don't have the capacity to keep people for a week. Yeah. Well, it almost sounds like, you know, if you're going to, you know, work with people to address, and I, I would think that most people that, that, that move down this path have already tried a, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you, you start living on medication and, and, and that really doesn't provide a lot of great results either. People still experience a lot of depression, anxiety on meds. So I would think that that would be just a requirement that they would need to implement. You know, if that, if they're having eight out of 10 or close to nine out of 10 people that are having incredible results with a targeted approach that it seems like it would be just a no brainer to, okay, this is what you do. We got to set it up. We got to scan. We got to make sure that we're targeting the right areas of the brain and keep people in for a longer duration because we're pretty much certain that we're going to get close to nine out of 10 people that are going to be experiencing a recovery. Right. But yeah, for that, it also means that insurances have to cover this. Yes. Um, and the good thing is that actually, I think it was last week or two years ago, uh, sorry, not two years, two weeks ago, one or two weeks ago, the, the same protocol actually got FDA approval uh, or FDA clearance in the United States, which is, of course, a good 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 thing because if something is fda cleared then insurances are way more likely to cover it so miles with that with that said um with all of this 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 targeted approach and um the intensity of that now here here's the big question for for people that are thinking okay i'm going to get all of these zaps going into my brain what kind of damage can it cause or are there any concerns that we we need to be aware of before going into this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I will I will have to go into detail uh, about this a little bit. So I will probably talk for now five minutes or so. So um, overall, what we know from TMS is that it is a very safe method in, in the first place. But here's the but. We have to be a little bit careful. First of all, we have to be careful with everybody that has metallic parts in their body because we're working with a strong magnetic field and magnetic fields will um, either heat up or attract metallic objects. So if somebody has like a metal plate in their head, you can, you can do TMS. Um, so these are people that maybe have, have, have suffered uh, um, a, a major injury and they've had to have a metal plate or something put, placed in their body. TMS isn't for them, especially if it's in their head. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, if it's just a tooth filling or or, or, or like how you call it, permanent retainer, that that's fine. Those are so small that that shouldn't matter. But anything bigger than that is a problem, and it's just an immediate no go. Um, the second thing is um, that people who have a history of epilepsy or have uh, direct family members that have a history of epilepsy, we also don't like to do it because. Um, particularly in the early days of TMS, and then I'm talking really 20 years ago, there have been some reports of um, uh, epileptic seizures after TMS. Now, I will say that since then, like in the last 20 years, we have improved um, a lot of our understanding. So we now kind of know what kind of uh, protocols we can do and which we can't do. 
so for some protocols, we know that that might induce a seizure. For us, um, we know that we're relatively safe. But even then, it's, it's a still small risk that is possible. Mm-hmm. I would say in people who have, who not have um, a history of epilepsy, um, there has been a study recently um, where they inspected uh, like basically all kind of um, ter- TMS therapies from OCD to depression. And it is estimated that uh, seven out of 100,000 people can get an epileptic seizure during treatment. So seven out of 100,000 is not a big thing. And also an epileptic seizure is not the worst thing in the world, but it is a risk. Right, so that's something people have to understand. Um, these, small... are people, these are people that have never had a seizure before. Exactly, it would, exactly. Would potentially trigger something in there. Exactly, and that could be hereditary. Right, but if it's hereditary, then uh, and we know it's hereditary, then we would be more careful with including these. these gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although it will also depend, like if you know, if the, if there's no other option than the TMS, we might still consider doing TMS. But okay, that's that's a different story. Um, besides that, TMS, as I said, can be somewhat painful to the extent where some people really find it very, very annoying to and, and actually painful. And the thing is, because we're stimulating the frontal part of the head, um, there are there are some facial muscles, right? The, the facial muscles just run over here. So you're not just stimulating the brain; you're also stimulating those muscles, which means that you get a twitching eye, typically, and a moving jaw. And the moving jaw can actually cause like the teeth to um, uh, go against each other. Which means that for some people, it's better to wear a mouth guard because otherwise you can get some uh, <laughs> teeth issues. It sounds ridiculous, but you know, people, uh, it, it 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 happens, and it's it's definitely not something comfortable. So. Now, when you when you actually did it yourself, did you experience any pain or? Well, it depends really on the region. If I do it in the front part, it is uncomfortable but not painful for me. Okay. Um, then again, I have had it so many times that I'm I'm used to it. It's definitely also something you get used to over time. So the first session will definitely be worse than the last session. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been um, some reports of uh, buzzing in the ears. Um, which I honestly think can be easily prevented by giving everybody earplugs. I think everybody should wear earplugs during treatment. And then like, I've never experienced that anybody actually hears a lot when they, when they have earplugs. in. so that's, if you ask me, like every provider of, of TMS should give them earplugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are some things that are preventable now. Those are basically the main side. And, and of course, a headache afterwards. You know, if there's something tapping on your head for a while, you can get a headache afterwards. So those are kind of the, 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 the actual side effects of TMS. Okay. Now, then there are some things that people report that I would personally not classify as um, a side effect, but more just as a failure of treatment. Um, for example, you know, if we know that 70% of people improve, then we also know that 30% of people don't improve. And out of the 30%, there might be like 10% that actually get worse. Um, either because we have gotten the wrong region or the wrong protocol or whatever. Now, of course, those 10% people where it gets worse, is very, it's very serious and we should you know, look into that. But I wouldn't call that a side effect. I would just call that a failed treatment. But that's kind of semantics. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there have been some occasional things that I only have seen actually on Facebook groups is where people report uh, memory issues. Now, I have never seen 
this in personal practice. And I've never seen this in any research article that I can think of. Um, of course, one thing that, that you always have to consider is when you're getting TMS for six weeks, a lot of things happen in those six weeks, right? And before and after also a lot of things happen. Some of the negative things that people report might just be a coincidence, something that happens in the time that they got TMS, but are not caused by the TMS. Mm -hmm. And particularly in the somewhat more negative comments in Facebook groups, I know there are also some Facebook groups that are actually quite negative about TMS where they um, claim that, 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 that it has damaged them. Um, I would say in a lot of cases, it's just either a coincidence or something else that caused it. Um, because from a research perspective, we, we don't see those things. And either in research, we're missing a lot of things, which I find hard to believe, um, or it is, it is a coincidence. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's, it, would you say that research is still pretty early on in this, in this world? Especially, especially um, with the focus now on mental health? Well, it depends on what you're uh, thinking early on. I, I think it's early on in, like, we can still improve how effective it is. But from a safety perspective, like the, how, what are the side effects are, I think we have a quite reasonable understanding of, of what, it, what the bad, what this bad side effects can be and whatnot. I mean, TMS... Is, a, is has been invented in 1985, so it's around yeah. for. Uh, when was it? When was it FDA approved though for use for mental health? So the first time in 2008, and so that's also okay. already like 14 years. So okay, all right. It's not that I. I mean, I'm pretty confident to say that that we are that we know relatively well what side effects are. Um, I think what is more of a problem is that some practitioners. Uh, might not be totally honest with uh, what the side effects are mm. in order to sell their product. But that's another story. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, but I mean, as far as, as far as from what you've learned and what you've observed in your research studies, it looks like it could be really, not just incredibly useful for people that have had <clears throat> um, treatment resistant depression for sure. Yeah. Um, some of these resistant um, mental health issues that people have dealt with for years, it might be something they want to try if they're having those kinds of results. You get 70 to 80, 85% um, of people that are improving in a research study, that's, that's staggering. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's just uh, right now that a lot of people don't know about TMS because there aren't too many um, TMS practitioners out there because first of all, the machine itself is quite expensive, right? So if you're a practitioner, the first thing you think of uh, is probably not TMS because it's very expensive to do. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a big investment. Um, and second of all, I don't know. Uh, I mean, this is just a personal thing, but I feel in the United States, there's a lot of focus on medication. Right. Um, and, you know, there's so much focus on that and so little focus on other things. And I'm not just talking about TMS, but also other things like, as I said, for example, uh, f uh, f like being physically active is also can also be positive. Like nobody ever talks about it. It's always like, here's your medication, get your medication, get your yeah. medication. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, man, big pharma rules here. 
<laughs> yeah, I noticed. I uh, if I watch television for like ten minutes, I get so many ads. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: like when when you when you first started the research, and you're like going, okay, so now we've identified identified areas in the brain that are showing this this low activity um, or inactivity in some areas, and so we need to really focus on those areas to stimulate those to increase the activity. What what do we know what the cause of that is? Partially genetics, um, okay. partially, uh, partially um, uh, things that happened in the past, um, negative things that happened in the past. But in the end, um, I think what I believe is the most, and this is also just, I, I have cannot back this up strongly but i have an intuition based on some research studies that i've read is that stress is a is a huge factor um, and it's not a coincidence that depression is rising in the last 10 years because stress uh, is also rising in the last 10 years like it doesn't matter in what field you work work becomes always more like there's more that you have to do and so e we read emails now every weekend rather than before where you you know you got a message and then if it's Friday, then it's weekend and then you go home and then you start working on Monday again. Now you get weekend, uh, throughout the weekend, you get emails. It's like, there's this constant low amount of stress that yeah. just builds up. Um, and that's just not very healthy, I would say. Yeah. I mean, for some it might, if you're, if you're a workaholic and if you really love your job, then yes, but for other people, it just isn't. Yeah, it's, um, we do live in a stressful society for sure. Um, do you do you think that there's um, you know the SSRIs they they attack or what do they do they they um, they reduce or increase serotonin levels? Um, right. Do you find that there's a link um, to that that causes these ex the experience of depression or an elevated heightened level of uh, of fear or anxiety? Right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because um, serotonin um, is known to be part of a mechanism for emotional regulation of happy feelings. Yeah. Um, interestingly, in just like a month ago or so, there was a study that um, very strongly suggested that serotonin levels per se are not very strongly indicative of depressive depressive feelings. Yeah. Um, which was interesting because it kind of overthrown 10 20 years of research yes now i also believe that 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 study um in the media was uh, interpreted not fully correctly yeah. um yes serotonin might not directly like serotonin levels might not directly indicate um uh, levels of depression um, because what is a high level for me might not be a high level for you mm -hmm. but if you would see a change within one person over time then i think it can definitely have some indication so i i don't want to throw throw out the serotonin hypothesis completely as some news outlets have done yeah. um, but it's definitely only just one piece of the puzzle what we like for example the tms will not directly affect serotonin it might indirectly through some some extended pathways but we know that serotonin in the brain is created in a very deep part of the brains in, in uh, the upper part of the brain stem and that's just not where tms can reach tms only reaches like the outer shell of the brain 
-hmm. So we know that TMS, at least not directly, does not affect serotonin and it still can have positive effects. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's definitely like all those things are pieces of a puzzle. And sure, I think where the future goes is that we have to identify accurately in which participant, which puzzle piece we need to, to, to fill up to have the most beneficial outcome. So I think that TMS might not work for everybody because just in those people, that puzzle piece is not missing or at least not the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the one of, I, I, I read that study, that information, that study that was out about the, the serotonin and I'm like gone, boy, I know a lot of people and I've been in the mental health world for a long time. And there's a lot of people um, that I work with, but everybody in this country knows people that are on psychotropic drugs right. for depression or anxiety to regulate that. And, and I'll tell you, they, they've, they've done a lot of good. They've done a yeah. lot of good in, in, in helping people just get out of bed and go to work. Right. And, and sustaining a lifestyle, right? The quality of life comes with that. So yeah, we really, there are a lot of mysteries that we still need to figure out. It's always fascinating to explore these new, these new possibilities. And um, is there anything else you'd like to share about TMS maybe that we didn't cover or um, that you could add or? Well, I don't know how long we still have, but maybe I can talk for five minutes about uh, something else that is related, yeah. but not really TMS. It's yeah, uh, the, one, the, mention, the one I mentioned in the beginning, the uh, electrical brain stimulation. Um, and what I mean with that is non-invasive electrical brain stimulation. So it's kind of another way of stimulating your brain, but um, it does work with electricity rather than a magnetic field. Now, of course, electricity sounds very scary um, yeah, and we yeah. don't want to put electricity to somebody's head. <laughs> but what I mean is uh, it's called transcranial alternating current stimulation. And it applies a very weak um, alternating current to the brain. Uh, and with weak, I mean lower than 20 volts. So it's like a, a big battery. It's not like people will not be uh, electrocuted or something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that causes a minor... Um, tingling sensation it's it's really like i also had that times. it's actually quite calming to be honest but um the reason why i want to mention that is because it attacks another or attacks it it tries to uh modulate another piece of the puzzle which we didn't talk about it at all but uh we we for example know that brain areas communicate by um brain waves probably people have heard of that before but mm -hmm. when when areas communicate there is a wave-like activity going on and that is just something that's just how the brain works i mean it, why that is the case nobody knows but it's just that's how it works and with this alternating current stimulation we kind of like try to imitate those brain waves and try to strengthen those uh, and that has is is a very recent method it's not fda approved yet but it's something that is coming up more and more uh, and the reason i want to mention that is because um with the TMS, with the same protocol, well, for example, we, we, we use the very aggressive approach of getting people into the hospital, um, having it like many, many times a day. That's, that's kind of the, we do everything at once approach. Whereas TACS, um, it's a method that is a lot cheaper than TMS. Uh, and there have now been studies that, um, where, where, um, uh, where people get the device uh, to their home and they get instructions from uh, either researchers or, or clinicians how to use it. And then they get like on Zoom calls. They also like 
to basically get explained how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like a home use device then for, for a, sh- uh, a while. And that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. If you think of approaches where rather than going into the hospital for a week and doing everything at once, uh, it's the other side where you can just stay at home and you get it at home and you get instructed over zoom how to use it. Um, and that, and then you can use it over longer time at your, at your convenience. And I think that's also a very beneficial approach for people who do not live near a um, EMS practitioner or who do not have the possibility of driving there or do not have the uh, insurance to cover it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a very, uh, it, it's still not FDA approved, so it's, it's going to take a few more years, but I think that's something else for in the future to look out for. Yeah, Miles, how do you, what, what's the name of that again? That... Transcranial alternating current stimulation. Al- alternating? Alternating current stimulation, yes. Transcranial, I'm spelling it, alternating. Current. Hold on here, my pen isn't working. <laughs> pen keeps stopping. Let me grab another one here. Okay. Alternating. Alternating current stimulation. Current simulation. Okay. And, and it's abbreviated means- as TACS. TACS. And that's with um, electricity. Yes. But uh, as again, again, it's a, a low form of electricity. So nothing dangerous. It's a very safe method. I well, have a- to repeat that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, you know, it's just interesting with all of the, all of these, um, these, these different approaches to addressing a lot of these, uh, these uh, challenges that people have, it's going to be really fascinating to see where we're at, like, from like, even five to, to seven years from now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, like right now, it's a no brainer for me, if I'm going to go TMS, I'm going to do the same approach, I'm going to go in, I'm going to find somebody that has the equipment that can scan to make sure they're targeting, it just seems like a waste of time. If like you said, if you're even going to a centimeter off, I mean, then it's just a waste of time. And so it makes sense to really try to hone in and focus in on what areas of my brain would need to be targeted. And so I would like to find a center that could provide that, but you want it to be affordable too. Because a lot of yes. times that's another huge problem in this country is affordability with healthcare. Right. So where, where is that going to be? <laughs> you know, are people going to have like in some of these strip malls across the country where there's going to be a, a, a TMS, you know, place that you can stop in and get a treatment and then come out and then you're going to wonder like you know what's that equipment like right (laughs) what's the caliber of the equipment right right, you know but who knows you don't know where it's going to be and with all of these new new approaches with with psychedelics too it's really fascinating what's happening yeah and it's 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 very needed as well as we said it's it's a world where those mental health problems become more and more and uh, but there's also we become also more aware of it which is also good like you know yeah. 50 years ago nobody cared if you had depression now times are different so it's not all bad it's there's also something good <laughs> yeah, yeah so so miles that that's all i have man let us know where do we find you for people that that want to reach out to you that have questions or maybe want to dive into this a little bit more and have a conversation with you. Um, how do they find you? I think you have a website, right? I have a website, which is just basically my first and last name.com. Okay. Um, but maybe even easier to find me also on YouTube. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is called uh, psyched with an exclamation mark. 
but I'm sure you will find the uh, link in the description of this video. Okay, so that's psyched and that's, that's psyched with P-S-Y-C-H-E-D. With an exclamation mark at the end. With yes. an ex so if we type psyched with an exclamation mark, search for that in YouTube, you're going to come up. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we're not a huge yeah. channel, so there are some bigger channels that also have the name psyched somewhere in there that will pop up first, but it's, uh, it's like a teal green symbol, but as I said, Probably yeah. we'll share also the links. Yeah, so. we'll put the link. We'll put it on here. And, or if you just type in psyched and then TMS, you will definitely find me because I have um, some few in also some few interesting videos like on the FDA approved research protocols for TMS and also uh, some kind of like introduction video on the th things you should know about TMS. So, all right. Well, this is Dr. Miles Wisniewski. Yeah, I don't, I always hate it when people call me doctor, but. <laughs> but it's such an earned thing, man. I mean, you put that time in, you get your PhD. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's and true. I, and I true. do, and I do appreciate your expertise and taking, taking the time out to share, you know, information about TMS and, and how it's really helping some people and improving their lives significantly. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to talk about it. Yeah, man. Um, well, thanks so much for doing this, Miles, and, and have a great rest of the day, buddy. Yeah, thank you. You have a wonderful day, too. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.